Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority provides insight into the early morning island-wide power outage in the District of St. Thomas and St. John. The Virgin Islands Territorial Emergency Management Agency Director Daryl Joshin provides an update on Wednesday's Emergency Alert Systems Test. The bill to establish a mobile integrated healthcare program receives a favorable response from senators. The director for the Office of Veterans Affairs, Mr. Patrick Farrell, tells us about the National Guard Association Award he recently received. These are some of your headlines and more for today's WTJX News Feed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX News Feed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX News Feed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. During the early morning hours, residents in the St. Thomas and St. John District were left without power. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority Director of Communications, Chanel Peterson, provided us with an update into what caused the outage. At approximately 1.30 a.m. on October 5, 2023, the island of St. Thomas and St. John experienced a district-wide outage, which occurred due to an excitation issue that trickled and rippled effect to impact all the other generating units causing the district-wide outage. Since 1.30 a.m., the team has been diligently working to restore power by bringing online additional units. Um, over the course of the few hours, we have been successful in bringing online all feeders, with the exception of feeder 7C, which is continuing to be troubleshooted. Um, we do apologize for this inconvenience as the authority continues to build generation capacity with the installation of the four new Wartzillas at the Randolph Harley power plant. We asked Ms. Peterson when the complete integration of the generators does happen, if residents can begin to expect less frequent outages. Absolutely. So not only will we see a reduction outages because now we have more redundancy, which basically means when one generation unit goes down, we have several more that can come back up. And and the reason why it took longer this time is because this was the first time for these um, units to be utilized in this format from what's called a blackout, which is like no power whatsoever. So because that was the first time this happened, that's why it took longer. But the next time, if we're ever in a scenario of a blackout, then it'll be a lot quicker. In fact, it can be it can go down to as short as 15 to 20 minutes to have power back up from a complete blackout. As of press time, isolated outages are still occurring. Yesterday, the Virgin Islands joined states across the country in an emergency alert services test conducted by FEMA in coordination with the Federal Communications Commission and the Virgin Islands Territorial Emergency Management Agency. We caught up with Director Daryl Joshin to tell us on the success of the test. The feedback I received from my staff this morning, I had a staff call, um, very successful. I only had two individuals who did not get that, that text. And it was uh, page one was in English and page two was in Spanish. Um, which is fantastic in the phones, and it really was a nationwide alert. Everything I've heard from FEMA so far has been very positive, as well as the FCC for setting that up. This is uh, a great step forward for the nation to be able to communicate wirelessly 
um, to those uh, cellular phones as well as through those radio stations and television stations to get out the, the word if it has to be an emergency. So those are quick feedback that I received yesterday from talking to my staff and talking to FEMA. It, it goes back to having the cell towers up, and that's a lot of the cell towers um, are strengthened for the storm perspective of that. Uh, what usually happens is the uh, the fuel uh, storage tanks at the cell towers, if they're not, you know, get now replaced to the fuel every 24 hours or two days, you, you will lose cell coverage. So usually we have good cell coverage, you know, after a storm, but we have problems getting to the, the sites to uh, refuel those. So the answer would be yes, that would be one of the main mechanisms um, using the integrated public alert warning system, which is the foundation of this called IPAWS, and that Vitima uh, could send out messages to all the wireless devices uh, and notifications about uh, any uh, information that could be either pre-hurricane, such as a, a hurricane warning or hurricane watch or post-event. that we talk about where to go for help and assistance, as well as any issues uh, or places that may, you may not want to go with roads being closed and areas that would be a uh, safety hazard to the community. Um, but that we want a mechanism that even um, really... The multiple languages are so important also to put that out in the territory for sure for English and Spanish. Speaking on Tropical Storm Philippe that made its way through the territory, Director Joshin provided an update on the effects it had on the community. Well, Philippe itself was a very interesting storm. We had a close to like 42 updates were put out by the National Hurricane Center. Um, we watched it very, very closely with partnership with the National Weather Service in Puerto Rico. Uh, FEMA did not have to uh, deploy down because it was a tropical storm, but it had some significant rain with this. So the uh, two nights ago was when we had a, a strong um, forecast of rain coming to the territory, and it did very much hit the uh, BVI, uh, U.S. Virgin Islands, and the eastern part of Puerto Rico. Uh, specifically, the rainfall amounts for St. John itself was up to eight inches, which is pretty uh, unheard of. And on St. Thomas, Water Island, and St. Croix, we had between uh, two to four inches of rain, so a significant amount of rain, but we were considered in a very dry uh, environment, so a lot of that rain was, was sucked right up um, into the area, and we had public works out uh, in the morning as well as police and fire taking a look at whether or not uh, we had any issues, concerns. We had a couple of tree limbs down, a couple of boulders, a uh, little bit of, I'll call them small landslides for St. Thomas um, and St. John, but the uh, the public works was out very quickly uh, with Commissioner Gabriel and his team, as well as Director George and Fire. Uh, we still have a waves coming through the territory from Africa, the normal projection. Uh, we have another wave coming through the next couple of days, and we are still in the height of hurricane season. So that goes from 15 August to 15 October, so almost out of that peak. But hurricane season itself will go through the 30th of November. Back in late September, Vitima shared the news that it had received conditional accreditation in the Emergency Management Accreditation Program, noting that it was the first for any U.S. territory to achieve the milestone. Director Joshin gave us some insight into the efforts it took to get there. There are 66 elements that make up the standard. Um, we've been working on this accreditation program for about three and a half years now. It's one of the things that Governor Bryan asked Vitima to go out and do and take championship uh, that and it's at for the U.S. Virgin Islands, so it's just not by TEMA. A lot of the heavy lifting is by TEMA, but all agencies that are considered like emergency support function agencies or lead agencies, um, they have to have continuity of operations plans and so exercise those plans. We have an exercise coming up in uh, mid-November called Royal Rumble. We'll exercise probably about half of those plans 
Uh, we had to put in what's called a continuity of government plan, which is the executive branch, the legislative branch, and judicial branch, talking about how we would continue the government if we had a disaster or unable to continue going to our, our facilities. That was very, very important to put that together. And we put together several plans to include recovery plans, mitigation plans, uh, emergency action plans, in order for the territory to still always be in a disaster uh, response uh, mode, uh, preparation mode, and mitigation mode for that. Um, so we were considered critical or uh, conditional accreditation, and we'll, we have about six months to finish the last part of this, which we have about 14 elements. We've provided a, a corrective action plan, and we have significant exercises coming up, such as with the Carib Wave, which will be in March. We have the Great Shakeout coming up in October, which is earthquake-based, and we have the Royal Rumble, and we have another capstone exercise in, in May. And that will really accumulate um, all the pieces and parts to put this together to then show evidence that we've made the, uh, the hurdle uh, into full accreditation. Upon receiving the accreditation, Director Joshin said the territory would be accredited for five years. But each of those, those years in between, you have to submit evidence that you are following your program uh, and make sure it's being done. And then you would then have auditors that will come in and visit uh, five years and give you an update for that. And the standard does change um, every three years. So it's important that we stay up with changes to the standard also. On Wednesday, the 35th Legislature's Committee on Health, Hospitals and Human Services, chaired by Senator Ray Fonseca, convened at the Fritz E. Lewitz Conference Room on St. Croix. Senators voted in favor of Bill Number 35-0019, an act amending Title 19 of the Virgin Islands Code by adding a Chapter 7A directing the Virgin Islands Department of Health to develop and approve mobile integrated health care programs. The sponsor of the measure, Senator Maurice James, added that the bill aims to provide quality and cost-effective care without patients making a trip to the hospital. In response to Senator Diane Capehart's inquiry into the hours of how the van would operate, Commissioner for the Department, Justa Encarnacion, provided details into the operation. I'll start by saying that it, it, it's during the day because it's not an emergency um, service. So that's why it's actually planned and it's scheduled in that way. And unless, and like we said before, when you go to the home, if there's an emergency, then of course you activate that. But right. it's eight to five, okay. sometimes extended hours because... The team always works after hours if need be. We spoke with Commissioner Justa Encarnacion to give us her response to the passing of the bill. I'm very happy that the bill has passed. Even more happy of the support that we got from the Senate, where some senators, uh, and they put it on the record, wanted to, uh, for them to hold up on, on the, on the um, count so that they can actually participate in the positive change that we need within the territory. We in, on St. Croix have been able to have access to the mobile integrated health team um, program for quite some time, um, but um, St. Thomas hasn't. We spoke a lot yesterday about going back to the basics, entering into the homes of the community members. We started that program in 2017, actually have continued it really and truly on both islands through a different program, but this is a more high-level program where you're looking at and not just asking questions and determining what the social determinants of health is in each home um, or what they are, because there are probably more than one in each home, but actually being able to take care of them where they are and for them not have to leave because some people just can't leave their homes. 
And so that is, to me, one of the biggest wins that we've had in a long time. During the hearing, it was noted that St. Croix residents already received some of the benefits of mobile care. We asked how long it would take for St. Thomas residents to begin receiving the same. After the bill is passed, we're given 120 days for in full implementation. And we have, we have the, uh, the, the template for the program. We have the director who's very charged and challenging in reference to getting it done. So she has the energy and the drive. And we have the staff available. We, there are a couple staff that we have to hire. So once we know we have the funding available, then we can really start to recruit. And I have to tell you, I left the building yesterday and we received two calls of individuals who wanted to be the nurse that was responsible for the, for the mobile integrated health program. So that, that alone is, is just awesome. So people were listening yesterday and seeing the need for it. And when you work in an environment that makes you happy, it really wants you to do the work that you love doing. So I, I'm, I'm actually very positive in, in the outlook. And I don't, there shouldn't be very many barriers for us to get started in St. Thomas shortly. The Virgin Islands Office of Veteran Affairs Director Patrick Farrell was recently awarded with the National Guard Association of the United States Patrick Henry Award at the organization's 145th General Conference and Exhibition in Reno, Nevada. The award is the civilian counterpart to the National Guard Association of the United States Distinguished Service Medal. The Patrick Henry Award aims to recognize local officials and civic leaders who, in a position of great responsibility, distinguish themselves with outstanding and exceptional service to the armed forces of the United States, the National Guard, or the National Guard Association of the United States. We spoke with Director Farrell on what that award means to him. Having been bestowed this honor is something that I, I feel real good about. And I will say to you that it's not just something about, about me, as some may see in the, in the written press release. I, you know, I give this honor to the, the team at the Office of Veterans Affairs because with their help and their assistance in serving our veterans on an everyday basis, that's how we're actually recognized. I mean, yes, I'm the one that received the award individually, but I, I take it on behalf of the entire team at the Office of Veterans Affairs. Director Farrell shared with us details on the purpose of the conference. The conference, uh, it, it gives all the different states because there's a, a national guard in organization in every state and in the virgin islands that conference the, um, the organization is the name uh virgin islands national guard association it gives all these different associations a, a chance to come together and hear from the leaders at the very national level as to things that they could look forward to in the future things that are going to be uh, implemented and they also take, take recommendations and suggestions from these bodies as to what the, the folks on the ground may need, what the leaders are not seeing. So the National Guard Associations all around the states are able to put some, uh, give some input. And if I may, I'd just like to say the Virgin Islands National Guard Association is the one that, uh, recommended me for, for this award. Uh, under the leadership of uh, the president of the Finga, which is Beresford Edwards, Lieutenant Colonel retired. So I'd like to say a, a great thank you to Finga for uh, recognizing the work that the Office of Veterans Affairs have been doing throughout the territory 
And definitely a great thank you for recommending us up at the national level to receive such a prestigious award. Last month, when Director Farrell appeared before the legislature, he shared plans about the construction of a multi-purpose center for veterans on the island of St. Thomas. We asked for an update on that project. This is going to serve as the, the site for the new home of the Office of Veterans Affairs on St. Thomas. And it's also going to be have a space that's going to be allocated to the American Legion post number 90 that's housed and that's um, located in St. Thomas as well. Right now, they don't have a home. So we are going to share some space with them to afford them to have their meetings in a consistent place. So that, that's how it becomes um, multi-purpose. And it's also going to have a, um, a community space where we'll be able to have a, a, an open space where veterans and other people in, in the community could come in and actually rent the, the open space if, if it's available as well. Right now, we're in the process of designing the structure. We, we have already met with the, the A&E team, and we are giving them the ideas of how we want this project to look. So we have been allocated the funds for that, and that is uh, in, we are in phase one of that project. We asked the director if there were plans to build a similar facility on the island of St. Croix. No, there is not. And that's simply because the, the space that we're on in St. Croix is already owned by the Office of Veterans Affairs. So we, we already own, own that building and have it uh, set up real nicely uh, as an office space with a conference room, a place where our veterans will come and, uh, and have business taken care of. As we make our way down the WTJX news feed, Medicare beneficiaries and persons newly eligible for Medicare are reminded that the open enrollment period for Medicare Part D is October 15th to December 7, 2023. Medicare beneficiaries are able to join or drop their prescription drug plan by the scheduled December deadline. In preparation for open enrollment, beneficiaries are reminded to review their current Medicare coverage to ensure that the plan adequately meets their needs in terms of cost, coverage, and convenience. For those satisfied with their current plan, they do not have to re-enroll, and those who do not participate in this year's open enrollment period will have to wait until next year to make any changes to their coverage. To receive Medicare prescription drug coverage, Medicare beneficiaries are required to join a plan provided by a private insurance company approved by Medicare. Each year, the plan sets the cost and determines which prescription drugs are covered. Beneficiaries may contact the Virgin Islands State Health Insurance Assistant Program Medicare Office in the St. Thomas St. John District at 340-774-2991, extension 4505-4507, or 4508. In the District of St. Croix, 773-6449, extension 3151, or 3152 to schedule an appointment. For additional information, beneficiaries can visit Medicare.go. Director Patrick Farrell updated the community on the availability of new veterans license plates. Our veterans disabled license plates are going to be available starting the 16th of October. And those veterans, once they, and I use the word eligible in there because not because you are a veteran that have with a disability mean you're eligible for the disabled license plates. You must be either permanently disabled or totally and permanently disabled, which is a designation 
given uh, medically by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs. Before leaving, the director shared the details on this year's upcoming Veterans Day celebration parades. We are going to start with having a pre-Veterans Day parade on the island of St. John, which is going to be on the 5th, Sunday, November 5th, on St. John in Cruise Bay. That parade is going to take place starting at 1 o'clock. And then we'll have the ceremony immediately after at the bandstand right there in the Frank Powell Park. And then on the island of St. Croix on Saturday, November 11th, at 9 a.m. in the morning, we're going to have the Veterans Day Parade in Christianstead, which is going to start from the Bassin Triangle. And we're going to go right down to the National Park grounds there where the fort is at. And we're going to have the Veterans Day ceremony immediately after the parade. And then later on that same afternoon, Saturday, November 11th, at 3 p.m., we'll have the Veterans Day Parade on the island of St. Thomas. That parade is going to be on Veterans Drive, traveling from west to east. We're going to start from the Griffith Park, going up towards the um, past Fort Christian, and then we're going to have our ceremony uh, right there on the right, on the promenade, on the Veterans Drive promenade. That starts at 3 o'clock. So if you're available for any one of our three Veterans Day parades, November 5th, St. John, November 11th, St. Croix, and then St. Thomas. We we'll certainly appreciate your support for our veterans out in the territory. The director provided details to those who wish to volunteer in this year's parade. Right now we are accepting organizations that are willing to be a part of any three of the parades. So you can reach us in the St. Croix District at 773-8387 or in the St. Thomas District 774-8387. We surely look forward to your participation and, and you helping us to honor our veterans in the territory. The Department of Health Maternal Child Health Division and the Department of Sports, Parks and Recreation is hosting its third annual Breast Cancer Awareness Walk. St. Thomas residents can participate in the walk on Friday, October 6th at 5.30 p.m. The walk will begin at the Tortola Wharf to the Rising Stars Panyard and back. On St. Croix, residents can participate on October 14th at 5.30 p.m. from the 4th Christian parking lot. For more details, interested parties can visit the Department of Health's Facebook page. Turning now to the territory's weather forecast. Virgin Islands residents can continue to anticipate rain because the National Weather Service predicts that on Friday, St. Croix residents can expect scattered showers and thunderstorms, partly sunny with a high near 89, Heat index values as high as 102, winds between 11 to 14 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour, chances of precipitation at 50%. In the evening, scattered showers and thunderstorms to continue, partly cloudy with a low around 83, winds between 9 to 11 miles per hour and chances of precipitation at 40%. On Friday, St. Thomas and St. John residents can anticipate scattered showers and thunderstorms, partly sunny with a high near 89, heat index values as high as 102, winds between 13 to 15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour, chances of precipitation at 50%. In the evening, scattered showers and thunderstorms to continue, partly cloudy with a low around 83, Winds between 10 to 13 miles per hour and chances of precipitation at 40%. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. 
be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you listen to podcasts.